Hey, good morning, and welcome to the Comics Experience Graphic Novel of the Month Club for the month of May 2022. We're all the way in the future. It's crazy. Um, we've got a great book here, uh, a great piece of, I'm going to call it science fiction. It's science fiction, right? It's a yeah. fair label. Some people get fussy about it. Fantastical, but yeah. Fantastical, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the book is Cloud Town, uh, and we are, uh, and it's by the great Daniel McClowski, who is sitting right here with us. Hello, Daniel. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very good. How are you? Doing well. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Um, so the first question, it's always the same first question. It is. You probably even prepared for this one, knowing that this is the first question. Yeah. Uh, why comics? Yeah, I did. I'm a fan. I, I'm a member of one of the clubs here, yeah. so I enjoy this, which yeah. you do, so thank you. Um, I did. I thought about it a lot, and there's a million different answers, but what I came to is actually a series of, of things that happened to me. Uh, in the first opening at Cloudtown, you'll yeah. notice there's a giant high school that got smashed. Right. And, like, that did not happen to me, but it felt like say. it did. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, like, high school can be a hard time yeah, yeah. Uh, not it was hard for me and a lot of people I knew yeah. and uh, it, it felt like actually a thing of survival for some of us. Right. Mm -hmm. And so after that happened, I felt like I had a story I really wanted to tell. Um, it's not this one. There yeah. was another one that I went on to basically I went to school for writing in order to tell that story okay. to kind of deal with those feelings and to like share those feelings with yeah. other people. Yeah. And that led me to write a book that had screenplay chunks in it because I went to college for writing and film studies. Mm -hmm. But the screenplay format just wasn't working. Mm -hmm. I ended up studying abroad in Tokyo, Japan, where there's comics everywhere. And at this point, I was not reading that much comic books yet. Yeah. Uh, and so I was seeing all these books that were both novels. Now I know they're called light novels that are like new versions of manga that is just prose. Right. Um, and when I saw that and the comics of the same thing, I was like, well, I could do this as comics. Yeah. So the first real 88 pages of comics I wrote was for this 200 some page novel. Right. And those were pretty bad. So I drew them again. Oh, thank you. Oh. And oh, thank you so much. Uh, and so then I had drawn about 160 pages of comics in my life mm -hmm. and self-published that book with a small press in Pittsburgh, PA. And at that point, then, comics people just started coming out of the woodwork and mm -hmm. being so inviting and friendly. And I'm, I'm a social person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'm really driven by other people's motivation and a sense of community mm -hmm. and Pittsburgh PA really had that for me. Uh, before I knew it, people were inviting me to draw every Sunday with them. And then once a month, someone else would print up a bunch of zines with all our stuff in it. We did that for about a year. Yeah. Um, and so every month I had like, five to 12 page comic coming out. Yeah. Um, they introduced me like within weeks of starting to decide to do comics. I was meeting people like, like Jim rug. I met him at the local comic shop. Mm -hmm. Who's a, he's still like someone I really look up to and helps me when I think about my comics. He yeah. looked at the pitch for this and gave me feedback, nice. you know? Nice. Um, and then when I came to the Bay area here too, yeah. like, uh, I work at mission comics as well as making comics yeah. uh, down the hill. Yeah. And, Leaf encouraged me to come here. He introduced me to you, yeah. and you said, "Welcome to comics." And suddenly, yeah. I have all these new friends. Yeah. It's it's a it's lovely the, experience. The way, the way comics yeah. is supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. Who who is your uh, local shop uh, in Pittsburgh? Copacetic Comics was okay. my mainstay shop, uh, but then also the closest one to the University of Pittsburgh is Phantom of the Attic, okay. which is also an excellent shop. They're really different. Yeah. Uh, 
on purpose because Bill Boyshell, the creator of Copacetic, also is the person who at one point, I think, owned and sold Phantom. Hmm. So he's very careful not to overlap with their business because right, sure, that sure, would be sure. inappropriate. Sure. Um, so he does very strictly like mostly zines, indie stuff oh, and does like bulk sales. So like, if, especially like if you're in Europe right now mm -hmm. and you want to buy a bunch of little $1 zines from different people, yeah. he has them all and can put them in a bulk rate envelope. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's more affordable for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm excited. I'm going to get to go do a signing at Phantom of the Attic. It's nice. going to be my first one there. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to also do some East Coast events later this month um, with my dad, who writes and illustrates children's books. Yeah. So um, that's we're actually doing some Father's Day things, which will be fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's super nice. cool. Did um, did your your dad doing children's books? Did that influence you towards? either writing a novel or eventually coming to comics? I think it influenced me in like a lot of ways that are, are hard to describe in the moment. Like, I'll try. Yeah, you, you, see, you see someone working and not always succeeding mm. and then also succeeding. Mm -hmm. And just seeing that regularly is something I realize a lot of other people don't have the advantage of, right? Mm -hmm. um, I did, I think, go to school for writing a little bit to try to be different than, than mm -hmm. my dad and my big sister. Mm -hmm. My big sister is an incredible artist. She was doing like really uh, classically um, accurate like portraits and mm -hmm. paintings when we were when she was in high school. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I wanted to do something I think that was a little different to to feel like I was separate from them. But the truth is. They're my family, and I am like them. Sure. So it's not that strange that I came back around. Yeah. Uh, my mother also is a librarian, a story time librarian at the okay. end. So she's very much a show woman. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. By the time she retired, she was going from town to town with little setups. She'd have, like, puppets, or she'd have a video on an iPad. She'd play a ukulele, do a little song and dance, and then she'd be out of there at the car. And when I saw her doing it, if I didn't know that uh, – Nobody was getting like that. She was uh, doing it as a volunteer and getting paid by the library system. I would think she was like robbing people because right. she was just like in out <laughs> uh, next show. You know, that's funny. That's funny. so yeah, uh, definitely an influence. And sometimes I talk to other cartoonists that like you know parents were you know steel workers or whatever. Yeah, just the sheer advantage of pre-internet seeing someone that owns a light table, yeah. seeing someone that like. Uh, reduces scans things to smaller size. So if you guys haven't picked this up from earlier uh, talks, like some really simple things, if you're going to start drawing your own comics is often comics creators draw bigger and then shrink it down a little bit. And that's a way to make uh, your art look more detailed and be more detailed. Uh, and it's, it's something that you can try at home, even just drawing on a big piece of paper and then taking a photo with your parents' phone or whatever. It's a good way to practice making a little tighter art. Yeah. How, how big do you draw? So, oddly, for this book, it's confusing because it's it's digitally drawn, this one. Okay. I do have um, – I'm going to leave you guys with some zines. Okay. That this is a very similar thing, but it's mm -hmm. physically drawn. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, okay. Um, with that, I'm doing about one and a third third bigger okay um, than so the final size like manga size yeah, yeah like 
eight and a half by 11 mm-hmm. sheet of paper. Right, right, right. Um, before right. that, before I was doing Cloud Town, I was working on like 11 by 17 pieces of paper, which yeah. is basically two printer sheets of paper up and down. Um, and then I would shrink it down to like half eight and a half by 11, which is a lot of reduction. Um, some cartoonists, hello, welcome. Uh, some cartoonists find that doing that much reduction uh, can be a problem because you can be tempted to overfill the page. Sure. And I certainly am tempted to do that. Right. Uh, and that could even be more of a problem with digital work. Yeah. But um, the advantage to digital work is you can do it from anywhere. Yeah. I was uh, I was actually traveling the country in a van with my partner when I sold this book. So I had been drawing with ink and paper as I traveled the U.S. in this big old van. And that would cause me to take, you know, a couple of hours a day just setting up ink and taking down ink. Sure. Because my partner worked remotely before everyone worked remotely. Right. And so we drive. We just treated like traveling the country like a commute in one direction. Yeah. We drive to work one way, stop at a Starbucks, and uh-huh. we work for four hours. Uh-huh. We take lunch breaks, drive for another hour uh-huh. to another Starbucks. And then we draw, and then we drive to a campsite. Interesting. And yeah. we did that for a couple of years. Um, and after year one, I was like, I think I need to buy an iPad. Yeah. And it just it made me able to, you know, get that extra fifteen minutes each of that setup sure. tear down, sure. which is you know an hour a day. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, also, I could draw while she was driving, and if we hit a bump, I I could press undo, yeah, <laughs> which was yeah, helpful. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Traditional comics are made, uh, traditional, but like Marvel DC style yeah, yeah. comics are generally two up. Yeah. Um, so the, the, if the comic is this size, the paper is about yay. Yeah. Something like that. Man, my, my father once bought a comic strip. I think it was like a trash can alley or something. Mm-hmm. And each panel was almost yeah. as big. They were yeah. enormously yeah. Drawn. A lot of the old strips were, were drawn like three and four times up. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It is a little. And also people, the thing is how you draw depends on the size. So like the way I draw and a lot of us learn to draw is like with our hand like this. But when you draw on big pieces of paper, you can use your whole arm yeah. and that allows you to get different shapes yeah. and it allows you to get uh, tired in different ways. Yeah. Uh, it probably keeps people from getting as much carpal tunnel. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, well, let's, we can talk a little more about craft, uh, in in a few minutes, but I want to talk about the book a bit. Um, so you, you said that the original idea you were going to do a novel, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So, but where did the, like, once you realized it was going to be a comic and sort of the changes that need to happen for a comic, how did you, how did you sort of get from one to the other? I guess is the question. Yeah. Okay. So the, the original novel thing was a story that I started and finished when I was in my teens, really early Mm twenties. Since then I've done a few hundred pages of comics. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I had read some comics. I, my hometown did not have a lovely comic shop like this. It had, it did have a shop that was open seemingly randomly whenever the owner felt like it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was mostly just like a, it, from afar, it seemed like a dusty place with an extremely faded, like a uh, predator cardboard thing right, in the window. Right. And I'm sure it was a great shop uh, for the people that knew when to be there. Sure. But as a kid, I just could never figure it out. Um, I read ElfQuest because my uh, neighbors had gotten it at the mall, and that was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, 
eventually I would get a few comics that uh, my mother, when she ended up running the local library, got for the library mm -hmm. by like searching on yahoo.com or asking Jeeves or whatever people did before Google was popular uh, for like, what comic books should I have in my library? Right. And that included a bunch of random stuff, including it's like Calvin and Hobbes right next to like Dark Knight Returns. Sure. And, um, and so I got a little bit of that. So I was somewhat familiar and my dad drew all the time. So I just dove in really without thinking of it as a thing I needed to yeah. learn how to do. Uh, which I think is good and bad. If you, like again, if you or you at home are thinking about doing comics, the first thing to do is just to make one right now. There are probably comics in this room by people your age. Yeah. Um, We've got a few. Yeah, and after after you make one, then you can look at it and look at the other comics that you want to be next to and to be your peers. Try to figure out what the differences are between them and work towards getting those closer. Um, but the first thing, yeah, is to just make it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so, but then how did you put the, together a pitch for this? How did you okay. yeah. do that kind of thing? Yeah. So, right. One thing I found alarming in retrospect is I did, I went to college for writing for four years and no one ever talked about submitting. Mm -hmm. um, at all? At all. Interesting. Um, okay. Except for like applying to graduate school. Uh -huh. um, there is a very like insular at, at the time, I know that that has changed at the University of Pittsburgh. I know some of the people that teach there, and they are much more um, holistic in the way they talk about writing. At the time, it was much more just about craft and just about uh, maybe furthering your education. I personally never really liked a school. I have trouble staying focused, Good. which is part of how I learn to doodle all the time. Right. Um, it's fairly common, I think, amongst yeah. cartoon sure. people. Um, so I was not interested in more school. I was barely interested in any school to begin with. Yeah. Um, but the idea of like getting to a pitch is something that I found out how to do after school. Okay. I had been submitting sometimes stuff to little magazines that I would find in Barnes and Nobles. Mm -hmm. I, um, looked up how to get an agent, an agent. If you guys are unfamiliar is, is someone whose whole job is trying to help you sell your books to bigger publishers. Um, and I did not get an agent at all. Yeah. I submitted to every agent I could find that would do comics because mm -hmm. I was like, this is kind of a comic, my first book, because mm -hmm. it had 80 pages of comics. Sure. Or just weird hybrid sci-fi mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. um, I got one request for a full uh, manuscript mm -hmm. by following their guidelines. And it said, if I don't email you back in eight months, email me again. So everybody that had a list of things like that, I put on my calendar right. eight months away yeah, and then yeah. I emailed them again. Yeah. And they're like, okay, this person actually reads my... Yeah, yeah, sure. Sometimes following instructions is extremely helpful. As much as it really rebellious yeah. comics people don't always want sure. to do it, it does get you someplace. Sure. But it did not get me through that door. Um, however you feel about the story, Harry Potter, there's this image in it where there's platform 10 and three quarters. If you know where this platform is, it just looks like a brick wall, but if you're a wizard, you can walk right through it. For me at this point in time, trying to get into published comics felt like looking for platform 10 and three quarters, but not knowing the address and not knowing if I was a wizard. Right. So mostly just running into walls. And maybe even being on platform nine. Yeah, yeah, maybe, I have no yeah. idea. Um, so I tried to find an agent, couldn't, 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 
but there are things that people can't stop you from doing, right? right. You can self-publish yep. with your friends. I did a monthly zine um, I did a Kickstarter for. Mm -hmm. um, I did a monthly newspaper comic where I printed 4,000 copies every month for five months in a row, drew, wrote, printed, carried it on my back, handed it out at all the businesses in Pittsburgh. Wow. Um, and then after that, I got an artist grant to work on another idea, which was the first zine version of Cloudtown. Mm -hmm. At this point, I'm pitching everywhere all by myself over and over again. My friends are giving me nice little blurbs that are people that are in professional comics at this point. And again, a nice thing about comics is people like, you know, me or people that are more established than me are usually happy to look at your book and just talk to you about it. Um, and at that point, an old friend of my mom's son had just started being allowed to get clients at his agency. Hmm. And the thing about brand new agents is they're a little like brand new creators where they also need to prove themselves. Um, joining, working with them is a huge gamble on the, those people's part. And he was just looking for someone to learn with, it felt like to me. Yeah. And that was, that was years ago, but he reached out to me and I had a stack of things to work with. Mm -hmm. And I knew some things about the comics industry at that point that he didn't. And he knew a lot about the literary industry that I did not know at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, over the course of a few years, we pitched one thing after another. Early on, he was like, of all the stuff I had done, and I had a stack, Cloudtown was the most sellable, he thought, mm -hmm. because it's teenagers, robots, like technically cyborgs, but you know. Uh, and I said, okay, but I'm kind of working on these projects first. Let's pitch them. And so me and this guy, we described each story, why it was great, who we thought might like it, thought of other books that were similar. We send it out to all the editors that will read it. And then one of the things that's really lovely if you ever get an agent is they consolidate your rejection letters and filter through them um, because succeeding is like, most mostly failing like for most people um it's just continuing to improve and struggle but each time i got a good rejection where someone uh editor at a big publishing house gave good feedback or um, at least useful feedback mm -hmm. he would give me those mm -hmm. and so for Two years, I pitched two projects, one project each year. And at the end of that, I had a stack of feedback about what people thought was working, what people struggled with with my work. Mm -hmm. And I took that all very seriously. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to the thing he thought was most sellable to start, and I redid it. Mm -hmm. And I did it with, uh, with those concerns in mind. Mm -hmm. Then when you say you redid it, you reworked the pitch. You worked, I know. You I drawing it. Or, or I re, yeah, I redrew it. Um, I redrew it. I changed the story a lot. Okay. And then, yeah. And again, are we yeah. talking about are we talking about this amount of of pages? Like more. Kind of, okay. Yeah. So originally, I was planning okay. on doing it as a zine serial that people would subscribe to as I traveled the country. Yeah. And then um, I he wanted me to do forty pages and an outline, mm -hmm. which forty pages is a sizable chunk. Forty pages is a lot. Yeah. But it's also enough to prove that you know what it is to do a bunch. Mm -hmm. um, 
if someone's gonna agree to work with you to do something that is as big as 200 and some pages, mm -hmm. being able to start and finish a thing is an important part of that. Sure. Um, so I think as an unproven creator, that, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people submit less. That is yeah, fine. no, I mean, I would say it's the m most commonly people are saying like no more than 10, 12 pages, yeah. you know, just because you're working for free at that point. Yeah. Right. But I've been working for free for, you know, six years. So, yeah. I, you know, it, to me, it, 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 I don't think it should be standard practice or anything, mm -hmm. but at the time it didn't occur to me to think anything other than. I'm going to sell this 40 pages as a zine. I'm going to do 40 pages of comics in the next two months. Sure. So why not do them for sure. this? You sure. Know? So every time I make a pitch, it's also a product that I'm going to sell myself. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing about that is I didn't do 40 pages. I did 60 pages mm -hmm. because one of the things that uh, editors were concerned about my work is they didn't always know that they could trust me that the ending would land. Sure. Because I, I like things crazy. I like things messy and weird. Mm -hmm. This book is literally as weird as they would let me make mm -hmm. it. Um, I had like the closest things to arguments with my editor where I'd be like, what if it's not weird, what's the point? Yeah. And my editor would be like, Dan, trust me. It is still weird, you know, but ultimately, because I knew people were worried that I wasn't going to land an ending, I wanted them to see a first act that they could definitely understand. Sure. So I needed the kids to get in the robot. Yeah. And once the kids got in the robot, I knew that they knew that I knew how these stories traditionally work. Yeah. The giant robot story is a trope, mm -hmm. and it's a fun one that I enjoy a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, uh, what made you want to use those tropes? You know, that is a good question. I, um, I've been playing with elements of like this story for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I am someone that is still thinking about some of the same things I was when I was very young and some of the seeds of what this story became, like ended up not in the book at all. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, I recently did a presentation where I read all the sci-fi uh, magazine rejection letters I got mm -hmm. for the story that this book was rooted in, but none of that is in there. Mm -hmm. um, partially, I just like, I like seeing what my version of a different kind of story would be. So, for example, I did a zine series that was kind of my version of like a Conan style story. Mm -hmm. I did a story that was like my, it's not at all, but it's like, like the spirit of like an Indiana Jones, like a main character that is like rough and gruff, but is always going to win, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And as a creator, like one of the things that's nice about it is you're making a story that uh, if you're blessed like me with a terrible memory, you can write it, and then in a handful of years, you can read it. And it's like someone wrote a book just for you, because they did. It was you, and you forgot it, and then you remember it. And I just, I love a giant robot story. Yeah. Um, and also, I just, you know, it's it's tough becoming an adult. Sure. And it's something that, uh, you know, if you believe that the people around you are adults, probably when you get to their age, you might notice that you still don't feel like you're an adult all the way. Most of us never quite 
feel like we're all the way to adulthood. Like there's this magic spot where we'd be able to take care of everything if we just had a giant robot to jump into, you know? <laughs> and so a lot of, I think the best stories for me are the ones that talk about something that's simple, but really deeply true and just gives you and the reader a chance to hold it in their heart and mind and roll around with mm -hmm. it in their mm -hmm. brain a little bit and just uh, see how thinking about that affects your life right now. Yeah. Cause you know, friendship is important. Sure. It is hard. It is hard to do things that shouldn't be hard. Sometimes we're really bad at just talking about the thing that would just solve everything. If we just have a conversation, mm -hmm. um, sometimes we do things that like, like the poor Naomi character is constantly digging herself into a bigger hole. She's just so angry and doesn't even know she is probably. Yeah. And like these kinds of things are, are true now. They'll be true in a hundred years, but we never stop needing to hear them. Yeah. And, um, and it's always nice to just have it in a nice different, different mm, package in a different way. Like, again, like the idea of having this be as weird as I could, it could be sure. Like there, there are a lot of us in this world that don't quite feel like we fit in generally. And sometimes just finding that thing that also feels like, how did it get here? Mm -hmm. How did this, someone let this weird book in its target or like, why is like, it's enough sometimes to just grab onto something else weird in the world. And just, that can be like sometimes almost a flotation device to get you through a tough little time. Yeah. And um, for comics, they're, you know, short, um, like, uh, the creator of Amulet talked about it, like almost like a roller coaster ride, right. a huge amount of investment to make this thing it is, a yeah. short experience of joy, hopefully, yeah. but that can make a day, yeah. it can make a good day. Yeah. And if it's a good story, it's something that you can come back to when things are tough and you need that feeling again. Yeah. Hey, come on in, sit down. Yeah. Hello, hello. <laughs> um, uh yeah so what it, like in terms of your output uh you page a day less more yeah um at this point i'm pretty I've, I've i've gotten up to two at the very fastest but it felt like i was it didn't last long mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um a page i can draw about a page a day five days a week right when i tried to do seven days a week i could do that for 20 days in a row and then my arm would feel like it was mm -hmm. gonna fall off mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. i could do six days a week page day but then you don't spend enough time with the people you care about and uh like it's important to spend time with the people you love so i would say i could do five pages a week yeah, yeah. uh reasonably writing drawing inking all that stuff. And this is about 220, so it took you uh, 44 months or so, sorry, 44 weeks or so? Um, in theory. Not quite a year. Yeah, in theory, in, in but theory, I, yeah. it, it did not. It took me significantly longer than that. Right. In part, uh, remember how I said my uh, agent was just starting? Yeah. It turns out, well, like uh, my editor, who's a very good editor, was also just starting. And like a lot of that stuff is, you know, about growing. And I, I do think we were growing together, but we were, 
we're learning how to communicate. So some of those things is I always want more. Yeah. So I drew at least 300 pages of story. Right, right. And we brought, brought it back down. Okay. And there were sometimes late edits or miscommunications yeah. that caused me to go back and redo things. To do things yeah. um, and then, yeah, anytime there was a reason that it was going to take longer, right. I'd go back and take longer on purpose. Right. So the moment I know like, oh, we can't put it out this year, we'll put it out next year. Mm -hmm. I go back and I'm like, I want to make this better. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. The truth is, if you saw the pitch I sent this woman, the fact that she believed in me enough to really sell it to everyone else, um, it, she saw something that wasn't there. Mm -hmm. I also saw something that wasn't there because I was deluded. Mm -hmm. She saw something that wasn't there because she believed that I could do it. Yeah. Um, Maybe she didn't know that I like, so this is a true story uh, and it's in this little zine and the folks that came here, I'll give you guys a, a copy of the zine. Uh, when I submitted the pitch, I did the best I could. And the truth is every time I make a book, it looks like the last person that wrote my last book couldn't have done this. Book. Like I like to try to aim higher than it seems sure. possible to do for me. Um, my favorite feeling in the world is trying to do something that I don't think I can do really deep down and then doing it anyway. It's, it's lovely. Um, I, I highly recommend trying that being said, if you don't succeed, that's okay. <laughs> that happens when you aim for things you don't think you can do, that will happen. But submitted this pitch, most polished pages I could make spent, I spent three days a page, right? I do a page a day. Now I spent three days on each page I submitted and it got to a lot of publishers. One publisher was maybe this other publisher was like one editor was like, this seems pretty good, but not for me. Hands yeah. it off to another editor. This person's like, mm, okay, maybe, maybe next one. Not for me. Puts mm -hmm. it on a desk. The first day of work of this other editor, she comes to this desk and she's like, I like this. I want to do this. And then she had to convince everybody they're like, this is your first day. Are you sure? And she right. was like, yes. And then she contacts my agent. It's like, this is great. Could he send some finished pages? And I was like, I thought they were finished. Right. But I, of course, I was like, yeah, of course. And I was like, Ed, what does finish mean? Ed's the name of my sweet agent. Um, and he said, smooth lines. I was like, okay, smooth lines, done. When they need it, like three days. I was like, done. <laughs> and uh, I just redrew all the pages. Um, and they looked better than I knew I could do. And Wait, how many pages are we talking about here? Just I think I redid three to five okay. pages. Okay. I didn't redo the whole six pages. I was, was going to say, like in three days no, you redo, yeah. No, I didn't. Right. I'm not there yet. Oh, Maybe good. someday. Good. Uh, but uh, no, yeah, it was a good time. And and then it's been like that the whole time. Yeah. So by the time I was done with the project, I am guilty of every time something came up that I need to go back and redo things. Right. If I had the time, like this is my first chance at that. Yeah. So I want it to be as sure good as I possibly can make it in the time sure. provided. But going forward, that, that can't be the way no. to, to work, right? Because no. because comics are so labor intensive. Right. It's and not like a manuscript. If you need to you need to put a gun in, in on page one all of a sudden, you just go in and you write the words, it's yeah. a gun. Yeah. But in a comic, you have to redraw, you have to yeah. rejigger, you may have to rejigger multiple pages in yeah. order to make that flow right. Absolutely. Yeah. There are some dramatic changes in, in this book that happen. And again, a learning learning process won't happen again. Also, I'm, I am not probably going to work completely digitally anymore mm. because of that ability to endlessly redo and endlessly erase. 
Um, I personally find that I'm, I am actually faster if at some point I switch to physical mm. where I can't erase. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it's not so bad I need to white it out, then I, it's good enough to go to the next page. Right. Um, but also, I'm better than I was when I started that. Mm-hmm. So the quality of my, I think, the physically drawn art mm-hmm. is totally on par with my digital art at this point. But it was not when I started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me let me put a, a pin in it for a second here and and ask if any of our lovely people in the audience have any questions they would like to ask Daniel about the book or about the story. And you don't have to be shy. You don't have to be shy, but you don't have to be brave. It's up to you. Yeah. You said your book was kind of weird. What was so weird about that? You, know I mean? you don't think it's weird? That's great. I don't. I don't know. Um, I just the fact that like everything is intertwined. It's kind of a combination of like, there's a lot of drippiness in it. The whole weird grub thing showing up for no reason. And then, or not for no reason as it turns out, but you know, no spoilers or whatever. Um, The cloud creatures, yeah. What do you think the cloud is? You know those ones that go through the rift? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you like the little snail people? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Originally, there was a whole story that you could find only in the background of the snail people in my first draft of the script. But when you're reading it, it seemed like that was a whole nother story. And my editor was like, what's going on? With it? It, it, got, it got lost in there a little bit. But if you follow those creatures, they're doing their own thing, the whole story, you know? Yeah. yeah. I didn't occur to me that it wasn't weird. Maybe I got to try harder <laughs> the next one. <laughs> no, it's, it's reasonably weird. It's reasonably it's, it's weird. Reasonably weird. I think yeah. that that's sure. what an editor did for me. It took me from being my natural, like, so weird people, like, I have literally no idea what's happening, Daniel. I was like, what? Yeah. To someone that's reasonably weird. I think, I, think, I think one of the differences between this and a lot of other books is that the protagonists are not, um, are not particularly comfortable. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of arguing. A lot of arguing, and and Penn gets really nervous and really freaked out about a whole lot of Every stuff. Every time she goes in the cloud yep. Yeah, yeah, there's yep. a lot of throwing up in robot heads. Yep. Yep. It's true. And that's always fun to talk. Like, sometimes I meet people that are traditional painters, and they're like, you're an artist. And I say, I am, but I spent all day drawing someone throwing up in a giant robot head today. <laughs> so... I feel like we can learn from each other. Yeah, that's good. Uh, uh, what, do you do you have a favorite character in there? Yeah. Who? Uh, or who? I cloud creatures. The cloud creatures. Oh yeah, the weird thing. Yeah. I thought. I, have you ever seen a sockeye salmon? Yeah. They're so weird looking. I thought that if I put the head of a sockeye salmon on anything, it would just be the creepiest thing I could think of. <laughs> then, okay. <laughs> Do you feel like you have lots of ideas when it comes when it to shapeshift into a rock star? Oh yeah, when it shapeshift into a rock star, yeah, that's Ooh. that's a fun time for sure. Lots of ideas for books that, or is it kind of like you kind of hit on some like fewer few ideas, and you're like these are. I have, yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Right, that's legitimately weird. I, I would say uh, I have a, a good problem 
in some ways that idea generation is like the one thing that I can't stop. Okay. Uh, well, again, the influence we're talking about, influence of my, my dad. My dad was an illustration professor and a children's book author, but the main yeah. class he taught was called Creative Thinking. So every day when he came home for dinner, he'd talk about his students' creative moments and we just make up stuff. Like, uh, the thing about Cloudtown is it started from a really small seed of an idea forever ago and just turned into a heap of stuff that got had to get edited out. When I pitched this originally, I pitched it as three 300-page books. Right. And they were like, could it be one 200-page book? Right. I was like, sure, why not? Uh -huh. But the reason it's called Cloudtown and not uh, Penelope Quick and the Hungry Hurricane or something is that there's a whole town full of crazy stuff happening and we only see a little bit of it. Mm. Um, and I also, I, I wrote another pitch while I was waiting for this to come out uh, about, a, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I shouldn't, I, I overshare. Let's say, I'm, I'll tell you the, the truth. It's about a kid that catches a disease from an alien. Every time he sneezes, he teleports. And he has big glasses, so he loses his glasses every time. And like, I wrote one of those and drew that pitch, and I need to edit it a lot if I'm ever gonna actually pitch it. I've written another outline for Cloudtown too. I have like another cha chapter to write. Who knows if it'll ever come mm -hmm. out. Yeah. Um, one of the things I struggle to do is actually reel it in and just focus on one thing, okay. finish a story instead of doing everything. And the nice thing about doing this with actual contracts and publishers and things is, is I am required to finish this book before I go do all the things I want to do. Yeah. And um, it's really healthy for me because it keeps me focused. Yeah. But that's okay. Like people that are distractible and excited, that is why I make things like this. Yeah, can you show me what you like? I also like the clouds. I just they look funny. They look like girls who have underwear. And <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's always weird that all the giant robots seem to be boys. There's this very arbitrary way to make a creature to a pilot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so you you originally pitched it as three three hundred books, so like a trilogy. Yeah, a thousand page trilogy, a yeah. little um, bold, I guess, in yeah. retrospect. Yeah. But that's I always want more stories. Uh -huh. The things I love, I I love the most when I hit page like seven hundred, um, and so I have a lot of trouble. Yeah, shrinking things into a sizable chunk. Because the truth is, I wrote prose a lot. Yeah. And a whole 224-page graphic novel is a pretty short story. Sure. It's like a one episode of a of a like an hour-long TV show. Um, if you're gonna do it that way. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh and because of that, I want novels, I want series, I want I want infinity stories. Yeah. I'm always someone that's frustrated that I can't live every single possible life. Like a lot of a lot of people are. Every time you choose to do something, you choose not to do something else. And that exists in the stories I want to create. But that's also one of the reasons making stories is really good for me. Because even if I don't get to be a janitor at a giant weird math science laboratory, I get to have a little bit of the experience or pretend to and share that imagination time with other people. Yeah. I have, however, had some weird jobs. And I do think that getting a job is a really cool thing. Like, I did not realize how great it was going to be to have my first job until I had it. Um, so it's something to look forward to for some of you and something to reminisce on for some others, you know. 
my first big job was digging trails in Idaho, actually. Interesting. It was a really, it was a grade A uh, piece of parenting, uh, I think, from my father when I was an angry teenager. I know not all of you are angry teenagers, but some, some people might be. Uh, I was like, I'm gonna, I live in Pennsylvania. I'm gonna hitchhike to California next summer. My dad was like, who says you're allowed to hitchhike to California? I was like, I'm just telling you, I'm gonna do this thing. And he breathed deeply and he like went to his computer and he researched things he thought I would wanna do mm -hmm. that weren't that, but would be parent approved, you right. know? And he found this opportunity to work digging trails in the Rocky Mountains of Idaho, um, where you got paid at the time, Oregon state minimum wage, which was like double Pennsylvania state minimum wage. Right. And he flew me out there, dropped me off for six weeks. I lived with like maybe 20 other teenagers. Uh, we broke rocks we dug dirt. Uh, we worked nine hour days. We come down the mountain to our campsite that we made, we'd cook food on fire. We'd have blisters. We were sweaty, it was hard, but it just felt so good to know that I could go out and do something that was, it was paying for the food, it was paying for the tents. I was taking care of myself. I knew I could do that now. And I physically felt good because it was hard work. And I was, felt like I was getting better at something. Uh, and when I went home, I had enough money to buy a, a pretty good laptop, mm -hmm. which I used to make like flash cartoons that mm -hmm. I would put on like Newgrounds.com mm -hmm. and stuff. And uh, it was just really a powerful experience. And so many of the people I really respect today even are people that, you know, got jobs in high school in order to do what they needed to do. Some of them was to buy groceries. It, you know, there's certainly a lot of people I know that have done that. And some of it is just to, you know, save away for something like their car so they can leave town and follow their dreams or whatever it is. But there, there's something powerful about that first time you get to work for yourself and take care of yourself. But today you work at a comic book store. I do. I love the working at a comic book store. Which yeah. is a great comic book store. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah. It's a uh, people joke. I got, I got, um, got promoted to the front end of the store because I've just been working in the back end on the comic shop, right. uh, on the book for the last few years. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely the, the experience of working in a comic shop, meeting readers like you coming in and whatever the readers are excited about like gets me excited. Mm -hmm. And also, I've been reading, I've read a lot of comics over the last 10 years, but I've read a lot of comics now that I can borrow them and bring them back to the shop. And there's still new things happening in comics. There's still sure. like innovation of like the really basic structure of comics, like from like uh, from like the Dogman Flip comic thing. Yep. That's 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 an innovation. Do you like that? Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. Or uh, there's a recent book. It's a little more adult, but from the Silver Sprocket that had like stickers in the back and posters in the front. But the fact of having an adult book with stickers and posters, mm -hmm. it was really. It felt like half half a cereal box, half a comic book. Mm -hmm. And that was, it's easy to forget that that's a power that tangible comics have. It's yeah. like, it's almost a game. You just have in your hand. Uh, and your, your, uh, Tinian, Tinian, mm -hmm. uh, his just, and I guess one of the early Star Wars books, just the, the beat, beat, double page spread, uh, title mm -hmm. is something that is like really bold in a format where every page counts to tell stories. Yep. But it just, says a lot, especially in the case of some of these books where the title is almost 
a pitch, you know, it's almost a sentence right now. So just the way these stories are changing, it's it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing to see. Yeah, no, I mean and and comics can be anything that you want them to be. I don't I don't think that that's necessarily as true for other media, you know? Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know, but I watched uh one of the big the superhero things recently and uh and it was fun it was like it was like a very elaborate fireworks show mm-hmm. and it and it occurs to me thinking about the movies now versus when when i was a kid or you were a kid mm-hmm. like they can do a lot more of what comics can do than they used to be able sure to do. um because of cgi yeah because yeah. of cgi yeah. uh it's it's pretty spectacular however like i do think that that's kind of driving comics to figure out even like deeper than providing something that's more other word worldly than mm-hmm. you could have experienced before. Mm-hmm. What else can this thing do? That's just a little different. And that playfulness, I think is one of the things that's coming out of right now. That is, I think, cool. What do you think? <laughs> well, you know, at, at his age, that's all he's seen is his yeah. comics today. Right. Yeah, you know, it's, great. it's different for, for someone like me, who's been reading comics for, yeah. 40 something years, you know, and, and I have seen the evolution of comics and the evolution of storytelling uh, that happens on the page, you yeah. know? Um, and that's, as I say, one of the things that I just, I, I love about the medium is the rules can change, yeah. you know? Um, the rules of prose don't especially change. I mean, sure. Someone can write a book that's all in lower caps with no punctuation, yeah. but not every people don't just start writing books like that. Right. Yeah. The one guy did that book. And, and I think it was Gertrude Stein, actually. I well, think. sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. I was actually thinking of the uh, of the, the the wraparound, whatever leaves on the whatever. Yeah, no, I was thinking, I was thinking of the the post apocalyptic one. That's all. That's all in lowercase with no punctuation. Well, I missed it. Um. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But the anyway. other thing is, the books you love now are going to probably stick with you your whole life. Like yeah. So many of us, the books that we super loved when we were your age, still are are that. Mm-hmm. You never lose that. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Mm-hmm. Did y'all have any, another question or two? I can keep going back to my questions, but I just want to make sure you guys have enough time to get your stuff in. I thought you picked the cover. I thought it was really catchy. You know, when I saw the book, it was like, oh, man, this is pretty good. Well, thank you. You know, I do have to think uh, that is something that the designers really did help with. Like, um, as someone that's done self publishing a long time, uh, I was, I was, until I got the book back, kind of impressed by how similar it was. Because I'm still basically doing everything, because you're the artist letter or whatever. Like, every page in there I've, I've put together um, with, with guidance, absolutely. Um, but when they gave me the book back, I was like, oh, this is, th- that final, you know, 5% makes all the difference. Like, those decisions, the spot class decisions, the decisions, uh, what lettering, what kind of title to use. I drew that title, but I drew a whole lot of them, and they told me not to use the ones I thought were better. Mm-hmm. You know, they know their business better than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just the way, like, I chose the colors and stuff, but they made sure the blacks were very black. Mm-hmm. And because, like, because this is instead of a four-color printing process, this is a two-color printing process, literally the weeds. But the cool thing about that is, Every book in here, pretty much, is four colors, which means someone used four colors to mix up every color in the book. 
since these two inks on the inside of this book were made special, there's probably not another exact blue like that in, in this store. So it gets to be a little brighter, just a little more poppy, which is nice. So, you know. What was what was your thinking on, on doing it as a two-tone book? My thinking was that I was I did the zine as a risograph printed zine. So I did it on this machine that is basically an old photocopy machine that you can take out a color and switch the color. So if you photocopy the pages once and then take them out, put them over here, change colors and photocopy them again, you made a very kind of artsy, cheap, two-color book. So I knew if I pitched this as a two-color book, I would be able to make it myself as a zine no matter what happened. But then also I was thinking if I want to do a page a day and I can't afford to hire a colorist, mm -hmm. this is almost black. Like it would work if they wanted to do black and white and it would work in color. Mm -hmm. What was the reaction from Abrams about? Because as you say, there's very few books out there that are two-toned. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, my editor liked it. Uh, she pitched it that way. One thing that's good for them about that is it makes it a little more affordable for mm -hmm. printing the inside so they can do things like the spot gloss cover on the front. Mm -hmm. um, weird comics is a weird thing because so many decisions about like the actual finished like product and how it will be made have to be have to be decided early and then that make that causes all things to change in the story to fill that box, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but they seem positive about it. The moment I actually knew they were wanting to do it, I suddenly had misgivings because we talked about this. Mike, I have, I always want more ideas. I have an endless desire to add more ideas into everything. And uh, I was like, but, but can we make it turn orange when it goes orange alert? Wouldn't that be cool? I was like, but can we just do it on the digital version if we can't do it on the mm -hmm. print version? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, maybe someday if, uh, if enough, enough people that find this not weird find it and enjoy it we'll get to keep making books and maybe yeah. it'll be some orange you, you should theoretically be able to change a whole signature to be a different spot color. Yeah, yeah but you would have to really plan it out yeah. so that it's only right those the 16, first page yeah. and the last page right and that you know yeah. maybe that's like chapter the climax in the second chapter right so yeah. chapter two and eight the cloud town two have to yeah. be orange i'll i'll think about it well, I'm I'm writing it. I I can't be stopped. It, it uh, no promises, but it might only exist in your head and my head. We're we're doing it. That's that's an okay thing to do. So you said that originally you pitched this again as as sort of a thousand pages, three yeah. three different chapters. Mm -hmm. um, how much of that is in this book? In other words, did you? take a thousand pages and uh, funnel it down or yeah. is this the first tenth if you yeah, see what right. i mean yeah yeah no the first tenth is pretty close because in order to make it a satisfying single thing i actually got to take less of the big thing yeah right because uh the first the first 200 pages of a 300 page book isn't a book mm -hmm. um so i basically took about 50 pages and the setting mm -hmm. and made a different story. So the story that you really like, the weird cloud critter, or it turns into a rock star, all of that is what allowed it to be a smaller book just for this. So, yeah, which is something that, you know, the more I learned about it, a lot of creative people have to do. 
you know, like stories change so much before they actually come out. And a lot of times it's, it's something that's out of your control. It's like, we're running out of time. We're running out of budget. We're running out of this or that. And, uh, one of the things that it takes is from my understanding, because it is true. This is my first book with a big publisher. So I'm still learning a lot, but one of the things it takes to be a creative professional is, is not having a idea or being able to execute a idea. It's always being able to get an idea when you need one. Um, just exercising, like, it's not your first idea, it's your 300th idea. Mm -hmm. And when my dad taught creative thinking classes, one of his big things was, if you are asked to do a thing, write down 20 ideas and cross out the first 10, because those are the ones everyone has, you know? Uh, and if you're in a rush, you know, five, take, cross out the first five and do 10. But, uh, that, that kind of exercise of just like more and more and more, it gets you into slightly more unique territory. And um, it's just another way of saying it, it makes something that's a little more unusual and therefore less likely to already exist for people. And you want to give people something fun and something new. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, uh, okay, so let's let's talk about sort of physical production a little bit of of your art. You say you, you you're doing this digitally. Mm -hmm. um, the the lettering. Yeah, I I did a font for that. Okay. Um, I actually felt kind of rebellious doing that because mm -hmm. I I came into comics from like an indie comics background, and there's a lot of people that are vocal that I know that are like lettering isn't drawing that's not art uh, you know have really strong opinions about it which you know there are reasons why that is heartfelt and very true and sweet for people to be very passionate about your hands being on every part of the page mm -hmm. um i also think like i like breaking rules so like like a lot of cartoonists do so the idea that there's this rule where you have to hand letter it felt kind of good the first time i didn't do that, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also from a pragmatic standpoint, I have bad genes. I think uh, my uh, my arm started going bad really early mm -hmm. when I was like twenty six. Mm -hmm. Now I'm thirty five. Mm -hmm. So uh, I want to if I don't have to write the words down, mm -hmm. then that's another thousand pages of drawing a thing right. that I'm saving for sure. my wrist. Sure. So. Uh, Whatever I have to do to make more stories is what I'll do. Yeah. So I can I can see that you ha I can see where the font is, but there's also places that it looks like it could be hand lettered. It might be. Uh, there's certainly a combination like this. Yeah, the singing. Like, like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's that, that's, hand that's hand lettering. That's a font. Yeah. 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 And the truth is that my hand lettering. Uh, I have pretty bad handwriting, and I remember very succinct. Uh, I remember when I was in elementary school practicing handwriting and making legible letters. And I was like, I will never need this. Computers exist. Why would I ever practice? Like, I didn't put my letter D's in the right direction. And I was like, who needs to know which way a D goes? The capital D's on the keyboard, you press it. Of course, I end up doing the one thing where I need to have good handwriting. Mm -hmm. uh, so remember, when your teachers are trying to teach you something, there's probably, you never know what you're going to need to know. So knowing more is okay. Yeah. Um, 
honestly, since I made my own font, there are some people that find my font too sloppy still. Mm, that's funny. Um, so maybe that's it's funny. for the best that I did it this way. And and if I could in the future uh, hire someone that does digital lettering, I would, I think. Yeah. But, uh, but also, again, only in part just to save me the time and allow myself to make more stories. I certainly uh, am appreciative of like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but there's a tradition of more assistance being used in Japanese comics, which is one of the reasons it's not impossible for them to do 20 pages a week instead of 20 pages a month, right? Uh, and a side effect of that is there is always a way to get into making comics. So there's a, these minimum wage assistant jobs where you learn tons of stuff just on the ground drawing. And so that's something I have fantasized about being either part of. You know, if I could be uh, in my teens being an assistant to someone again, that would be amazing. I can imagine how much more I would have learned by now. And if I could get an assistant one day to help me draw a little bit so that I can make more stories and they could learn, that would be fantastic. And I guess, you know, if you're also watching this and you are a professional creator who have fans that just want more of your stuff, and you could hire an assistant, consider it because it would help, I believe, American comics and it would help you make more stories for the people that want it and therefore help shops like this. As long as there's more stuff for the people that are waiting for it, that seems good to me. Yeah, well, I mean, as, as long as you're, you're paying the assistants yeah. well enough to, to live on, yeah, you know, yeah. which is always the tricky part. Yeah, know? yeah. Because an awful lot of cartoonists don't make enough money for sure. <laughs> yeah. by themselves, you know. There's um, also, like, the weird um, math that ends up happening where there's also people that are now, you know, paying universities yeah. to try to learn to be cartoonists mm -hmm. that are not necessarily likely to... It's it's a tough it's a tough world cartooning like many worlds it's it's like professional basketball the the number of people that can do it for a real living is diminishingly small and you and you you don't know if you're gonna you're gonna make it till you made it so yeah, yeah. And, and even then <laughs> and even then yeah. and even then you don't necessarily know um, so the uh, you're since you're doing it digitally I'm assuming that your lettering is on a different layer. Yeah, yeah, so I'm going to experiment with different ways of doing that in the near future. Um, again, just technology, time-saving stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I have heard, but I do not know, that uh, Clip Studio Paint has a method in which you can have a script of all your lettering mm -hmm. that someone can edit as a document file, and it will automatically fix it in the actual image file. Interesting. Uh, if that is true, it would save me and people that have to deal with me a lot of time mm -hmm. because I cannot spell words. Mm -hmm. I am very bad at spelling, famously so. Um, I think one of the reasons I, I have ended up in comics as opposed to novel writing where I was aiming directly is um, when you... Uh, Whenever you guys want. Uh, whenever you spell something wrong in an email to a prose editor, they think you didn't try at all because they are generally prose editors. We're always good at writing their whole lives, you know, like not everyone, but they're usually the kids that would get good in English class. And for them, spelling the word of with a UV, which let's be real, UV are little drawings that make sounds that should say the word of. <laughs> they uh, they just think you didn't try, and uh, 
If you do that and you're a cartoonist, they think, ah, oh, you're a cartoonist. It's fine. So uh, because I am almost 100% incapable of spelling words correctly, I, I find it much more relaxing to email people as a cartoonist. I can see that. Um, <laughs> there's there's a, there's an awful lot of um, of uh, special effects of of uh, onomatopoeia mm -hmm. uh, in 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 the story. Those are directly on the art, though. I'm assuming, oh, and yeah, not absolutely. a separate. Do you guys know what onomatopoeias are? Uh, it's the sound effect that you draw out. It is when you write a sound. So, like uh, the word boom. Is an onomatopoeia, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and well, super technically, onomatopoeia uh, uh, describe is a sound that describes what it is. Mm. So, blam and boom are good onomatopoeias, oh. but uh, but I don't know. Splorch may not be, if you know mm. what I'm saying. Mm. Splorch is a weird one. That's a. Uh, do you you notice that if I spell use one sound effect more than any other one? What was it? <laughs> yeah. I use the word B O O S H boosh a whole lot more than other people. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I just like the way it looks. So um so when you're when you're laying out a page and you're trying to sort of get the flow through the page, right? Because yeah. a lot of the secret of cartooning is just getting the eye to move, yeah. you know? Um, how, how do you approach doing the sound effects in that context? You know, I, I really approach it like holistically. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were talking about, yeah, my, uh, I, I came into drawing comics while writing. I don't always think of them as super separate. Like, mm -hmm. again, like, uh, like Scott McCloud understanding comics talks about letters are little drawings of sounds, mm -hmm. you know, and. And drawings are like the original text before before phonetic text existed. There was, you know, images that meant something and then you could read. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, that all kind of blends together. And and when I pitched this, there were pages of text mm -hmm. just mixed in. Mm -hmm. um, so when I get to even those pages of text, though, they would have a little like person skateboarding, jumping off the tee, you know, right. or whatever. And then... When I get to the page where there's a sound effect, it's it's the same as if there was going to be a visual element there, mm -hmm. um, and that's and that's how I incorporated it. But it is true that also I was talking about having my the letter D and P mixed up front and back, and I get I get mixed up. You know, I have a lot of things that are strengths to the point where people want to invite me to work with them on a major book with a big publisher. However. There were times where my editor had to say, hello, have you been reading a lot of manga? Because if you guys ever read Japanese comics, it goes the other way. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you've been drawing your pages backwards this week. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Let's just flip those around. <laughs> like literally you were drawing yeah. your pages backwards like, and you didn't page, even realize it? I don't always remember oh, which way things go. Yeah. And I've been like that my whole life. Interesting. Uh, but yeah. Interesting. But it doesn't matter which way you go. Because then you can flip it over. Yeah. You just have to make sure that everyone's tape is on the right shoe again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I suppose. Uh, it, but as I say, like <laughs> making the eye yeah. go is. I. 
it can be flipped, but I know it's not quite that simple. It's not quite that simple. Uh, it's one of those things that because, yeah, I think because I'm a little more dyslexic, mm-hmm. like I think of things that flow differently. Yeah. But I also think of that flow maybe all the time. Yeah. Um, because I also pay attention to where your eye goes because, you know, something that people talk about on, on your uh, podcast or YouTube channel often yeah. is um, revealing big surprises when you flip a page. But you can also hide big surprises. The pace people look at the least is the middle of a page. Yeah. Like naturally your eye flows everywhere but the middle until the end. Mm-hmm. So if you want to surprise someone, you can also just sneak it in where no one looks. And the truth is the, the fact that comics work at all is a weird uh, like magic trick. Like our eyes shouldn't look at these little lines and see a wall and a room and a person. It's that our brains work in such a way that two dots in a circle make a face for yeah. no real reason. Or that a line and then a smaller line and a smaller line seem like it gets deeper into space. Those things are like weird malfunctions of evolution that allow us to do this bizarre thing and tell a story in these pictures. Um, All of that is connected to where you lead the eye. And the truth is, it's like a cool magic trick. Like the whole, it's all sleight of hand in storytelling Mm -hmm. and in drawing. It's it's just one big show. Mm -hmm. Do you have an example of something where you hit something in the middle of the page? Because I haven't actually thought about Hmm. that in particular. Yeah, let let me see. A lot of times I'll do that with something that the reveal is just a text mm. or a word. Because mm-hmm. I understand intellectually what you're talking about, but trying to picture it in yeah. in thinking about the page is a little bit different. Yeah, it's been I mean it's been a while since I revisited this, which is actually nice because then I I like it more. <laughs> uh, well, that's good rather than liking it less, right? For sure. There's there's a thing a lot of creators uh, run into where the moment you finish a thing is kind of the hardest time to look at it. Sure. Um, because you just see all the things you couldn't quite sure. get. Sure. Um, however, for me, when I take some time away, again, that thing happens where mm-hmm. I'm like, it's like someone made this book just for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there is something in this. I'm not. All right, if you can, it's, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. That was that was a that was a, a random question. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I'll look into it and see if I can't send it to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, how do you how do you work? Do you do you thumbnail first? Since you're doing digitally, do you just yeah make that the thumbnail? Yeah, for this book, I did do that. I um I they this was the first book I wrote a script for. Mm-hmm. I was asked to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I then. We edited the script heavily. That was mm-hmm. how we did the story. And then I went basically straight to roughs. Um, and then after all the roughs were done, I went back and cleaned them up. Mm-hmm. I think for my next project, I would like to do it differently. Because there's a lot of discovery that happens when you draw things. And that is one of the strengths of comics, is the ability to have, like, a rough edit as you go, right? The 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 local the small local business known as Pixar does this thing where they do this like rough sketch of a whole story and then have actual like people like that are the right age 
consume it. They make a rough comic mm-hmm. of their movie. They do it over and over and over again until they really hit it home. And that's also traditionally in Japan. They call them names or nemu. Um, the scripts, even if there is a writer-artist team, often the writer is writing in, in simple drawings. Um, and things like, for example, the coolest kid in school in this story didn't exist in the first script. Mm-hmm. He just was something I drew uh, someone in line, in a lunch line early on. I put a big arrow or the coolest kid in school because mm-hmm. I just thought that's that's funny to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, a couple pages later, I was like, maybe he actually is the coolest kid in school. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I was thinking about this is in a lot of media, the coolest kid is like the one that's best at sports or the or the one that has a lot of money or something. Right. But in my actual high school, some of the coolest kids were the ones that were just a little more mature yeah. and just could handle themselves well and didn't sweat things when people were on their back. Yeah. And I was like, what if the coolest kid in this school is just as weird as he wants to be, but just kind of like legitimately cool? Yeah. Like, um he wouldn't have existed because the, until then. And then he wouldn't have been in the final book as much as he was if my editor hadn't been like, you know what? Can they please just go on the date? I want to see the date. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I was like, for you, sure. Let's, uh-huh. let's, let's see what the date's like. Uh-huh, you know? uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so because of that, in future, I want to go back to what a, a hybrid of what I did for this book. And what I had done just when I was doing zines myself yeah. were uh, the zines. I was very seat of the pants. I had an outline and then I needed to do 20 pages in the next, you know, eight days. Yeah. And I just drew it. Yeah. Um, I would like to script fairly tight, uh, not script, sorry, outline, yeah. fairly tight outline, edit it with other people involved, yeah. do some good finished art for every kind of scene there might be in style. Mm-hmm and then loosely draw the whole thing as the actual script. So when something funny or surprising shows up, like maybe in the background, like one of those little snail creatures falls down a hole, Mm -hmm. maybe someone has to go find him later, or maybe he has something important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of novelists often talk about storytelling as if there's like this deep magic and it's all mysticism. A lot of cartoonists often talk about it's like laying bricks and very simple. Um, but I, I kind of believe that the truth is that it's both are true, right? Um, it seems a lot more magical when it's all in your head and then you just type it. When you're drawing, you can kind of see the pieces that are that magic, the spontaneity and the inspiration combined with the weird dream space that we all kind of can relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do feel like that method moving forward would give is one of the unique strengths of comics that I believe is a mistake to run away from. Sure. Sure. Yeah, no, because, I mean, it seems to me that it it's hard to keep spontaneity going when you've, when you've delineated it so much. Yeah. Uh, you want to have fun yeah. because that's something people respond. I mean, you want to have fun first because it's fun to have fun. It's easy to forget that. You, it's okay to just enjoy yourself in life, right? Uh, like even when like uh, Penn is dancing at work, you know, yeah. it's okay to dance at work if yeah. you're still mopping. That's right. okay, yeah. you know. Um, but beyond that, when you're trying and you are having fun, people can 
tell when they yeah. read it, you know, and they have fun. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, who's your favorite character in the book? Oh, it's you're not supposed to pick favorites. I, I really like, you know, I really like the. I really want. I so the thing is, I really feel very strongly for all of the yeah. characters, and I really want them all to be okay. Yeah. Uh, and like, I do think that at the end of this book, Olive is okay for the minute, but she has a lot more to learn. Yeah. And honestly, the the characters that are the least okay at the end are the ones I really want to spend more time with because I, I want to see them be okay, yeah. you know? Um, but I also just, I love the weird little creatures. Yeah. I love the weird, uh, same as him, I love the cloud critters. Yeah. I love the little snail guys, partially because they're so mysterious. Like they could do anything. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. Can you can you see doing a story that is just the snail critters? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It'd be fun, yeah. or just like even maybe like a little three panel strip or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, yeah, and some of that stuff again, like sideways influence from my family. Like my dad had a book on snails, and I was just I was like, snails are snails are amazing. Mm -hmm. They have different kinds of spit and mucus that do different things. They have one that makes them stick to stuff, one that makes them slide over stuff. They have one they use to super glue their shells back together. And I was like, just imagining these little creatures that could just both use gross slime to walk up a light post, and then at the same time use a different slime to like roller skate just on their feet. Uh, like, could you imagine that? that seems a little insane, yeah. Yeah, just uh. like, just imagine if you could, like what a cool, weird superpower snails have. Uh, if, if they were just faster. Why well, shouldn't all they do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have uh, any other questions yourself? Oh, yeah. Very good. Just, so much just making sure. Just making sure. Um, uh, let's see. So we've talked about the craft. We've talked. You know, actually, here's here's a question that I always I always put this question in the email, uh, and and I don't know that I've ever directly asked anybody about it. Is it difficult for you? when you got the blank page or or just the the blinking cursor yeah yeah when you're writing that script like for sure the, to yeah. get started how, yeah talk about getting started yeah well um my advice for anybody that's having trouble getting started is like it's not it doesn't sound helpful but it is just do, like literally start um mm -hmm. it's in my experience like insecurity based mm -hmm. and the truth is once you get anything going it is fine it is an imaginary thing you're making. Uh, there's a lot of uh, famous novelists that re-quote each other. And, and one of the, the common quotes is, writing a novel is like driving home in deep fog with your headlights on. You can only see as far as the headlights, but you can make the whole trip that way. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you do not know where you're going is OK. Maybe you're in a parking lot right now. Just, just get going. You'll find the exit. Mm -hmm. You'll get on the highway. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Um, it is about ignoring the other good metaphor for this. If you've ever read um, The Tiger's Guide to the Galaxy, mm -hmm. there's this really lovely phenomenon in which uh, you can fly. Anyone in the universe can fly if they only fall and forget to hit the ground. Mm -hmm. And that's... That's writing a book. 
And is is you feel the same way about doing a comic? Are they are yeah. they the, the same in that? Okay. Yeah, when I say writing, I literally yeah, okay. mean I just, both. Like you know, I that's totally reasonable. I used to run a writers co op in Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh, it was called the Cyberpunk Apocalypse, mm-hmm. and over six years, we had like forty six young people live in this house at different times. Mm-hmm. Some of them were cartoonists, some of them were writers, poets, whatever. And um, we were always called Cyberpunk Apocalypse Writers Project even as more and more of us were doing more and more comics. And just to me, it, it's, it's not a real difference. I mean, I understand that pragmatically it kind of is, mm-hmm. but I struggle with the difference somehow. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it seems like the difference between prose and comics is, is, is in showing. Yeah. It's right. It's Versus internal, telling, right? Yeah. It, well, it, it, I mean, I don't know. It, I, here, here's just like yeah, yeah. flipping through the book. There's a sequence where where an alarm goes off, and yeah. then and then as part of the panel, it's yeah. clang, 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 clang. Right. In a book, you would not write clang, 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 clang. I mean, you could. Right. Yeah, no, you but could, that's. But more likely, you're going to go an alarm goes off. Right, right. And let the reader figure out what that is. Yeah. Whereas in a comic, you can't. There is no letting the reader figure it out. The reader can interpret. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you I mean, you are absolutely correct. I wish books had more clank, clank, clank. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, my dad, right, he does he does kids' books now for tune books. Mm-hmm. So they're technically kids' comics. Mm-hmm. And people ask him, what's the difference between a children's book and a children's comic? Mm-hmm. And what I told him, apparently, when I was about your son's age, is I said, Oh, I want the ones with the words on the bottom. Those are the children's books, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, the words mm-hmm. are on the bottom. And sometimes the distinctions we make, because mm-hmm. we need to, categorizing things makes it easier to find what you want. Mm-hmm. And that is reasonable. Like you come into a comic shop because you have an expectation of what you want. It also weirdly forces things apart. Yeah. And so there was a time where, again, all writing, like, like we're either illuminated rant manuscripts where one monk wrote it by hand mm-hmm. and there were drawings and pictures and little mm-hmm. flowers mm-hmm. or they were like something that some guy in town put together with like a fish and a wave and an arrow to be like this is the spot go fishing and um at some point like post letterpress printing i assume uh we got got pushed apart and that is fine and that is good but uh i'm someone that like some people keep all their food separate I'm, I'm a one bowl kind of person. And so that is why this book had so much text in it. Yeah. And then it got taken out in part because it's, there's an audience that's used to mostly doing pictures without a lot of words. Sure. And there's an audience that's used to doing a lot of words without a lot of pictures. And they don't, uh, they don't always do great reading each other's stuff right away. Yeah. Um, and that's fair. Yeah. I just, uh, you're not wrong. You are right, in fact. Mm. However, I just wish there was, yeah, more prose books with big planks in it. Sure, and, sure, sure. And more, uh, I was obsessed for a short while about this idea of maximum story. Yeah. It's like the most amount of story you could fit in per perceived minute, right? Yeah. And like, that is something that comics has actually more power to do than prose because, uh, all comics have chunks of text and the way you want to interpret that is different. Um, but 
dialogue is way faster in things like screenplays and sure. and prose. Um, dialogue is murder in comics. You got to really be inventive to make it work. And there's again innovations happening yeah. that make it. Uh, more functional because it's both an intuitive thing to read a comic and a learned thing. Uh, like a lot of the manga I've been reading use more of the tiny faces inside a word balloon yeah, yeah. to get a little more dialogue done yeah. and also allowing a second expression or a second emotion per panel. Right. Um, and also allows that panel to be bigger and mm -hmm. breathe more. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that's a taste choice, but also like a comics technology that's yeah. new to me, Yeah, yeah, yeah you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. uh, I do think, again, uh, as far as medium power goes, mm -hmm. comics has the advantage because it's built to adapt yeah. page by page. Well, prose does have a significantly rigid format. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and at the same time, though, it doesn't matter for most books. Yeah. The font size, the right. the 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 the, exactly. the, the column, right. you know, borders or whatever. You can reformat those things. That, that's one of the reasons why people like reading prose books mm -hmm. on on and tablets, converting to audiobooks, right? Yeah. But it's much harder to get prose books working right on. Uh, sorry, comics working right on tablets yeah. because the boundary of the page is such an essential part of the language of comics. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's a uh, everything has a cost, right? Yeah. And it's are you adaptable in your method of delivering? Yeah. Or are you adaptable? Well, they're both in the method of delivering. Yeah. Are you adaptable in in the way comics is, which is adaptable? Each page could be anything, you know. Or are you adaptable in that you can cut and paste and put yeah. it everywhere and be audio and whatever, which is is. Yeah. Strengths, you yeah. know. Comics are great. Yeah, Gosh, yeah. darn it. Um, uh, so what's next? I got one pitch that I need to re-edit. I got another pitch that's tapped away from being done. Mm -hmm. um, I probably will be doing some stuff that is whatever comes out next, because there's such a big gap between between uh, selling a thing and making another thing. I will be probably uh, regularly producing stuff on the side that I can give away for free mm -hmm. or for cheap. Uh, this zine that I'm going to give you guys a copy of. And you guys uh, sell zines online here? Or, yeah. or, mm -hmm. So this will be available for sale here if you yeah. guys are interested. It's just uh, the story that's also free on the Comics Beat, uh, Failing to Quit. It's the story of me uh, becoming a cartoonist mm -hmm. and like a little Cloud Town teaser. This is the kind of thing that I was just doing on the side when I had a little bit of free time. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be doing stuff like that. You can how the email list will where we'll get you some stuff um, just on danielmccluskey.com or beancanbooks.com both go to the same spot um, the hope is to do instead of five pages a week for whatever book I'm doing for sale do four pages a week for them mm -hmm. one page a week for you and uh, just chug along yeah. um, try to enjoy the balance of life of yeah. selling comics there's so many great stories that I did not make coming out every week sure. every month it's been incredibly wonderful in this very intensely humbling way yeah. to work at a comic shop yeah. because there are literally thousands of books made by thousands of people that have been working so hard for years every single week there's they're coming out so there's no lack of things to enjoy yeah. and so i am going to try to enjoy 
delivering those books to people yeah. as well as making my own work. Yeah. Have you, uh, now that this is out, have you gotten uh, any interest uh, from more traditional comic book publishers? Uh, you know, it's very new. I feel mm -hmm. like uh, I have heard very little yet. Okay. Um, it's been out like three weeks yeah. or maybe more, maybe less. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm about to do my first little tour mm -hmm. and things. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's well, a we bunch liked of, it enough hey, to make thank it. Thank you the, so much. The... I absolutely appreciate it. And, yeah. it's, and it's not just because you work at, at, at you know, Mission <laughs> uh, uh, Comics, you know. Uh, yeah, I absolutely appreciate it. I, I do enjoy the writing aspect a lot as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's one of those things where, like, success begets success in my experience. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing is to keep, you know, finding people that, like, genuinely enjoy the kind of things I, I make. Yeah. Helping them find me. Mm -hmm. and helping giving them more of those things to mm -hmm. just get them through. It's been really lovely. This is my first time working specifically to like the age group this is for, yeah. for younger people. And it's it's been a really wonderful responsibility because so many of the adult cartoonists that got me into comics later still hold on to that thing they fell in love with when they were like 10, 13, whatever, mm -hmm. and younger. Um, so really being the person that's aiming to give something to all these people for which so much is new. Mm -hmm. um, and you want to give them something that is new to them, but also a little new to the world. Mm -hmm. uh, just the, the opportunity to maybe give something, something, someone, something that might be the coolest thing in the world to them for like a time. Yeah. Uh, it's been an excellent challenge and, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, all right. Well, so, so, and you've, you you pitched Cloud Town too. So fear. Oh, I haven't. I'm oh, you just, haven't even pitched it yet. No, okay. I just, I've been writing, I've been okay. waking up and writing a couple, like a thousand words before work. I see. Okay. And uh, I, I, I haven't, you know, I haven't finished the third to last chapter yet. Have your, have your, has the editor like shown any interest in that or have they come to you and gone, we want more? No. I or they're like, no, that's it, buddy. No, neither. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, the thing is they're a business and sure. they'll see if, if I keep selling it. Right. And I'll keep, if I keep, see if I keep selling it, I own the rights. So like worst case scenario, like it may be such a case that I sell something else right. and the, the one page a week that I give away is is continuing this story for the people that love it mm -hmm. as a way to just mm -hmm. give them what I would want mm -hmm. if I was a fan of this story. Sure. Um, and either way is, is fine with me. I, I'm just trying to put on a show. Yeah. I'm just having a good time. Yeah. I dig that. Yeah. All right. Uh, and so then, speaking of putting on a show, um, uh, we'll go to the last question. And, and it's always the same question, just like the first question is always the same. Um, there are an awful lot of people who watch this because it's a whole series of yeah. of interviews with, with cartoonists. I think we're a pretty good series of cartoonists Excellent. interviews, yeah, with, uh, honestly. Um, uh, and, and there's people out there who want to make comics. Yeah. Some of you people want to make comics. Um, and you don't know how, they don't know how to start. They, yeah. they don't know what to do. Right. You, you said it earlier that yeah. you just do it is, yeah. you know, but, but if there was something a little deeper in there, what would you, what would you say? I, I'm going to, I'm going to refresh the first one and then talk uh, about, okay. So first the basic is just, yeah, literally do it. It is okay to copy things. It is okay to 
YouTube search how to draw a cloud if you want. I actually did that after finishing this book. And my girlfriend walked in and was like, you know you, the cloud kind of book. You've been drawing that for years and now you Google how to draw a cloud. Uh, yeah, I was curious what they would say. Um, but yeah, no, it's okay to look for help in the most basic ways. Don't, no need to be proud, it's okay. Just one step in front of another. Headlights, you know, basics. The other thing is if you're trying to write a big story, um, take the smallest chunk you can. If you've never written a dramatic plot, there's one short little piece of advice that gets misquoted by, again, many, many hundreds of authors from Stephen King to whoever. And that is to write a story, you take a character, you put them in a tree, you throw rocks at them, and you get them out of the tree. And that is vaguely a three-act structure. It's okay to do that. Uh, the Neil Gaiman advice is really excellent. If you do want to be a career creator, I have been fortunate enough through my work at the uh, Cyberpunk Apocalypse Writers Project, where I met, you know, 50 to 100 young people just making zines, just doing it, just starting. Um, and it felt kind of impossible that any of us would be published. And now a good chunk of us are. The truth is, if you keep making stuff, you finish those things, and you put them in the world while trying to always be better than the last thing, you get somewhere. You don't always end up where you think you will, but you move along the road of life. So do that. Enjoy yourself. It's it's okay to have fun. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's about it. I love it. I love it. I think that's great, man. Uh, well, you know the the book the book is Cloud Town. If you're sitting at home uh, with nothing to read, you're looking for a good piece of science fiction, something really fun, something a little strange. Uh, but something with a lot of heart. This is this is a great book, and I thoroughly recommend this. And if you happen to buy your comics from, copies from us, you don't have to. There's many comic shops in the world. You should support all of them. Uh, but you also will get a, um, a signed uh, a thing of stickers, um, which is really super cool. That's a little extra cool bonus. There are very few of them left in the world at this point. So. Yeah, well, a lot of them ended up in our copies Absolutely. of our books. Absolutely. Uh, so so yeah. So so yeah. Thank you, Daniel. A um, little bit of, of, uh, of new business. Um, uh, next month's Kids Club, uh, we're going to be interviewing um, Kat Ferraro. I think it's Fajardo, I think. Oh, I'm going to ask her that before I speak to her so I don't say it wrong on camera next time. Uh, for Miss Quinces, um, which is a, is a really good book about, uh, about a quinceanera. Um, I probably guessed that wrong too. It's, it's a very exciting book in part that it came out in both English and Spanish at yep. the same time in America, yep. which is relatively rare. Yep. So yeah, definitely worth a look for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the next month's uh, adult club, uh, which will be uh, this next Sunday, um, and it's going to be Sunday morning because uh, uh, Anneli um, Furmark uh, is in. Uh, is she Swedish? I think she's Swedish. Anyway, it's international, so we have to do it on a Sunday morning rather than a, a normal Wednesday night. So um, the book is Walk Me to the Corner, uh, and this is a fantastic, this is a really smart book that is, you guys are going to, not not the kids club members will love, but people who love comics will love this book. Uh, and so those are the next couple shows coming up as well. Um, I want to um, I want to thank uh, all the members of the club for letting us do our things. I want to thank those of you who showed up. Thank you for coming, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I want to thank uh, my my son Ben for running the show. 
Uh, I want to thank Jordan for being our producer. I want to thank uh, Kat and Kelly and Katie and Ava and Max for helping me run the store, because if they didn't do it, then I couldn't certainly sit here and, and interview cartoonists. I want to thank everybody who makes comics. I want to especially thank you, Daniel, because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Well, thank you so, so much. You've got yeah. a lovely store. Do you stop on down? I love it. Thanks very much, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks very much for watching this episode of the Kids Graphic Novel of the Month Club. If you enjoyed what you were seeing, please uh, subscribe and hit the bell up in the corner. We'd like to invite you to join the club. Every month you'll get a great new book curated by our staff, and it's, it's a fantastic program. So please join. That address is running along the bottom right now. Thanks very much. Right, man. It was everywhere, but yeah. Yeah, you made it. I was trying to break that chain. What the hell are you doing?